Right, we've had a we've had a bit of a run of ex Derby players of late. We've had uh, we did Dean Leacock the other day. Um, we had Mark O'Brien last week. We had Miles on, but this one's actually a Derby lad, Lee Camp, little over lad. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I, I'm, I'm when this Zoom meeting loaded up and I saw that retro Ramstop, mate. That was a I wasn't expecting to see that. That's a right naughty little shirt. Yeah, this is my favourite one from. Back in the dates, um, probably sort of about the area when I first started getting into football. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people will see it, but it's the old one with the, the red auto windscreen across the front, the old Umbro shirt, I think, from the early 90s. So um, I was lucky. When, well, I didn't go in the club shop and pick it up a year or so ago when it was on sale. My, my cousin picked it up after a game for me. So it's, uh, I just sort of throw it on to... For shits and giggles. I know. I never thought I'd see you in the ram again, mate, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> quality, quality. I might have a it... forest shirt for later on in the interview. I don't know yet. I'll see if I pull one of them out. You just starting to break up a little bit there, mate. <laughs> 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 oh, mate. I've got a forest top here. I don't know if you can see. I've got one on me. Uh, well, it's not on the wall, I mean, I've taken it off because I've decorated, but Ben Osborne one. <laughs> He's one of my boys, oh. so. Got one of Benny's up there, boy, so. ain't he, Ben? But well, it was like it was a younger pro. Um, yeah, 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 he was just starting to to get involved in and around the first team as I was um, as I was leaving. But I mean, he was always highly highly thought of, obviously. Yeah. And he's yeah. gone on to he's gone on to good stuff. It's crazy because he he was a left back, I think, originally. But he's moved yeah. forward up the pitch, and you know now he's now he's in the Premier League. So yeah, you know, good you, hard work, hard work. That's all it is, mate. That's all it is. So how's um how's lockdown been first of all for you? Obviously you've had no football <clears> back. How long have you been back now? A few days, three, four days, is it training? Yeah, we had a week last week. Um, well, we started last Monday officially, um, mm. and we had four days of of the small sided, uh, small sided, small group training, non contact, social distancing, all right. So there was a group of goalkeepers, four goalkeepers, and and the goalie coach, um, and we did like the seventy five minutes in the morning. Uh, four mornings last week so yeah obviously Monday as we're recording we, we trained again this morning and then we're just waiting to see what's happening with the phase two or stage two of, of the progression whether or not we can go back I think we can go back into contact soon I just think they're finalising the, the last details so I suppose every football club who are back well probably the EFL clubs the championship clubs I think the Premier League are a few days ahead of everyone else so I think the EFL clubs are just waiting for the nod of what they can and they can't do. So, yeah, slowly getting back to normal. Um, I suppose we have everything the same, the same issues as everyone else in lockdown. It's the the pandemic doesn't it doesn't wait for anyone, does it? It affects yeah. everybody, and it's affected all sorts of industries and works and lives and and so on. So, just the same as everyone else I would imagine. Some days busy, get stuff done. Other days you lag a little bit and trying to keep fit with the exercise and um, the weights and what you can and you can't do and try to entertain children and keep a <laughs> keep a happy wife and a happy life, as they say. So yeah, just experience everything everyone else has, yeah. the frustrations, anxieties, everything. It's um, It's just been a waiting game and patience, if you've got patience, it's really been a virtue for all of this. Mm, definitely, definitely. Well, this isn't just a, like a football podcast and obviously we've got you on your Derby lad as well as obviously your career and whatnot. So we'll start by going right back to like your upbringing 
in Derby, Little Over lad. Um, what are your what are your memories growing up, growing up in Little Over around them times? Yeah, went to Ridgeway, Gayton Junior School, and uh, Derby Moor. Grew up right in in the heart of Little Over. Um, Derby's a football place, so I was growing up just playing football and cricket, cricket in the summer, football in the winter. Uh, I've got fond memories, good memories, good group of lads. Play, all, all good footballers, all, all the lads I, I, I grew up with. We had good school teams. Um, we had good cricket teams. We got to cup finals. Uh, just just a boyish lad growing up in Little Over, in the mean streets of Little Over. It was um, Dan Sev's field, 40 lads, 20 aside. Cricket on St George's School whenever they cut yeah. the cricket wicket out. Um, jump onto Gayton if they cut the cricket wicket out in the summer. Um, jumpers down where we could play football. That was it really. And then just a gang of just a gang of lads playing football. Obviously, I know you had uh, Kieran on a few yeah. weeks ago. Um, I mean, he, like you he mentioned, he went to St Benedict's. He went to the Catholic school, but he grew up just behind where my cousins live. Yeah. Um, so every night we was out playing football. A couple of lads went to land down forty, but we'd all meet up together, and, and that was it. It was just um, on the bikes, football. Who could ever rob a cricket ball from school to play cricket? Just the usual <laughs> stuff. Just the, yeah. just the usual upbringing. Um, hanging around watching the blue pool on a Sunday morning until I started playing football, and then, you know, through the schools and just a normal, just a normal existence, really. Yeah. You mentioned cricket a bit there, and we've had a, I've had done a couple of cricketers on here that have played football and cricket. Was your what was your cricket like? Did you ever have to make a choice between your football and your cricket? No, 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 no. I was never, I was never a great. I was never particularly good at no. cricket. I mean, I played uh, played for Michelover Sports a couple of summers, and I think I then went and played for Spondon Cricket Club for a couple of summers. Um, but no, I was, I was nothing. I wasn't a particularly mm. very good bowler. I never kept wicket. I think everyone always thought you'd keep wicket, but Mm. That was never really, never really interested me. I kind of like being out on the boundary, out of the way. I was more of a batsman than anything. I'd open the batting or back sort of three or four. I wasn't a particularly good batsman, just a bit of a slugger. I had a, had a thick bat, and if it come out of the middle, it could go a long way. I'd miss it and hit the stumps. There wasn't a lot of finesse or technique to it. It was, it was, I hope it hit the middle of the, the old Duncan Fernley we had at the time. So. <laughs> But no, I never had a choice. I enjoyed, I enjoyed my, I enjoyed playing Greek. I enjoyed playing sports. It was some, you know, that, that was how it was. There was, I mean, when I'm going back to like the mid to midish to late nineties, but football wasn't on all the time then. It was as soon as the football season finished, you'd have the Euros or the World Cup. But if it was a, if it was a summer where there wasn't anything on, it was, it was all cricket. It was all about the Test match and um, cricket took over. It was, it was really seasonalized. But now obviously, and it's like 24-7 football and that's the main sport of the country and that dominates so but um, yeah I was never never <laughs> never a choice there was never a choice I think that's a generational thing because I'm, I'm the same as like, I still go down the cricket as soon as May comes and football finishes I'm like bang Derbyshire and I always grew up played cricket in the summer played football in the winter the football side of things where did, where did that start for you who was your first who was your first side my first side was Michelover uh, Michelover Jubilee uh, so I suppose I've always had crossing allegiance in my blood <laughs> little over to Michelover Derby yeah. to Nottingham it's, uh, it's probably a bit of a trace but now my first my first sort of I had three or four years watching the Blue Pool like my dad was on the committee there when I know 
um, Adam mentioned, like Johan. I mean, yeah, Johan, yeah. what a character. I mean, what still is a character. I mean, what a guy. I know. Um, and my old man was involved in that as well. So I've got vague memories in yours because you're a bit older than me. But I, I've got... I think I think maybe I just missed your old man. Maybe I started yeah. playing then around... I think I started playing like 94. But I remember going in the early 90s. Um, going to watch and they had like Chris Jackson, Vic Hanley were the goalkeepers. Yeah. So obviously that I was attracted, uh, well not attracted to them, but you know, that was what interested me. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. you know, Vic was like my idol at one point. Mm. He was like, Vic Hanley was like the God to me. And there was like Nigel Whitaker, Gaz Redford, like Mark mm. Ashford, Chrissy Moore, Chrissy Moore just come as, as we were sort of leaving. But, you know, Bluepool was a good side and like, yeah. I remember being in and around the changing room as what I'd have been seven or eight-ish, yeah, yeah. and like, Johan was good as gold, like, Johan would have toilet roll around his head, and, <laughs> you know, it's just the characters, great characters, great, yeah. um, great people to be around, like, talk, it, it, that was my first sort of taste of what men's football was, it sounds that, but then memories, I was clear in my mind now than anything that I've done in my mm. career, like, Mark Ashton, like, as a centre-half, was one of the hardest centre-halves that, um, I've ever seen. I mean, I think he come from Chad Jubilee. And I think he signed. I think Johan poached him. Like, I think Johan was like. I was gonna say, talk about crossing. Know. Talk about crossing the border, mate. Leaving Chad Jubilee. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving Chad Jubilee. I'm sure. I'm sure he left. I could be completely wrong. I'm sure, but I'm sure he left Chad Jubilee to come to Liverpool. I think Johan got into him, and you know, <laughs> you know, what Johan's like he could I know, you know, right, yeah. charm charm anyone. So he come over, and I think he come over with the idea that he wanted to win like the Derbyshire Cup because that's how good the Blue Pool was. And that's yeah. like, that was a big thing then, winning the Derbyshire yeah. Cup. That was like, it's huge. So that was my first memories. But um, there was four of us at, at, at uh, pr uh, primary school at Gate, and we all grew up actually coming through. Our mums was all close. Obviously, like, my mum passed away when I was younger. We were still quite close. And um, mm. there was like Michael Lewis, who's like uh, Sparky. He's a Sparky mm. now, Mickey Lewis. There was a Gareth Taylor. He lived on Stenson Road. William Wildham, um, he lived at the top of Stenson Road, but he moved over to Etwell and went to John Paul. But his old man took over, like, Mickelover Jubilee under 10s. And he just rang and said, do you want to play? Do you play in goal? Mm. Like, are, are, you, are you still playing in goal? Because I played, I wasn't playing, but, you know, I was a goalkeeper. And do you want to play? I was like, yeah, all right, why mm. not? So we did, and, you know, oh, you're a bit young, you're only 10. I was like, whatever, like, let's just play. Just want to want to play. And our first game was against Sherwin down at King George. We got beat 19-0. We played against Sherwin under like 13s. We was like under 10s. Got battered. Absolutely. Like, don't know what it was. Anyway, that was my first, my first experience. That's where it started. So I had a year there. Uh, and then I had a couple of years at um, Mickelover Sports. I was involved in leaving under 10s to go to under 11s. Mickelover Sports was a Saturday side. And they came over to play on a Sunday morning and I'd already had my register. Remember the registration cards? You yeah, know, yeah, the little yellow ones. The, day. <laughs> the little yellow ones. And um, we'd done our registration at the end of the year and you got your cards back. And then I'd played a couple of times on a Saturday for um, uh, Steve Evans was running it with uh, Kev Towers, uh, James Towers, uh, uh, Kevin. And they said, do you want to come over and, and play on the Sunday? Because their goalie, Spence, wanted to be a right back. Done a or, or or a defender, which you know probably made a lot of sense. Not being wanting to be a goalkeeper, so yeah. they didn't have a goalie. So do you want to come over? And I was like, well, yeah, I do. 
um, but I'd already signed for Jubilee. So it was like a big transfer thing. So like, I remember, I remember, I don't think I played until like November. I remember my registration was Michelobel Jubilee and it, it took for ages. I think it took for uh, William's dad, uh, Steve, Ev who was obviously managing like the under-11s at Michelobel Jubilee. Steve uh, um, at, at the sports club, who was like our manager, and my old man to go and see like the county secretary and have like a massive meeting just to get my registration changed over. So I remember going to watch and never, I remember just, I was basically like a ball boy watching Michelobel sports <laughs> and not playing. It was crazy. So I don't think I played it. It might have been like October, November time, but I missed five or six games and, and then I had a couple of years at the sports club and we was, uh, Chesapeake were probably slightly better than us, but mm. they were the team. They were drawn by Colin Tansley and Anthony Tansley. They were the, the Chad lot. And um, so his dad used to run it and um, half the team, uh, at Chesapeake with Derby boys and half the boys at Michelover Sports with Derby boys so we knew everybody and uh, that we were the main two teams but Chesapeake were probably better they beat us in a cup final one year and they they beat us to the league a couple of times I think but I think we beat I think we broke their record I think they was unbeaten for like two years and I think we beat them Chris Bersley <laughs> scored on Chad Park one Sunday morning we won 1-0 so Volatile um, atmosphere. Yeah, volatile, <laughs> mate. You know, Chad, Chad Park can be volatile at the best of times. So, uh, Sunday morning and a few hangovers on the dads and, uh, you know, little 11-year-olds running around on a full-size pitch with full-size goals. It was... Uh, to only be 1-0 was amazing. But, yeah, so they were like my, my three years of, of playing local local football. And then I, I got involved and, and joined what was the School of Excellence at, um, at Derby, which sort of blagged my way into, which is a whole different story. <laughs> How did that come about then? Well, funnily enough, I was uh, I was talking to Eric Steele this morning at work because we've had him on talk about the new season. Did Was Eric there at the time? But he must have been a big influence on you. Steely, Steely is the reason why I am where I am. That's it. He's the sole reason because Derby at the time, there was in the Premier League, they'd just been promoted and I don't know if um, it was the first year in the Premier and they were still at the baseball ground mm. and they never had uh, like the academy setup they've got now and the academy structure that come in didn't come in until the late 90s so it was a school of excellence and it was run by the head of development was Jerry Summers mm. right? and they only had teams from 13 upwards so it was under 13s 14s and then the 15s and the 16 was a bit of a mix and then you went into your apprenticeship when you left school so anybody younger than who sort of 12s and under basically you were like a development what you call nowadays like a development squad but basically you were just a a body that you'd yeah, go yeah. and you'd train and then some week some lads would show up there was always like a general core um, and then they selected an under 13s from that every year but I started because there was a lad called Marty Mosley that I went to school with who was three or four years older than me I think he went on and scored a load of goals like lo in local football mm. um, but he was he was training with Derby I think he was playing in goal for like their 15s and his old man and my old man knew each other and that. And he just said, well, if Lee wants to train, just come down. So I literally went down and trained with the goalkeepers. They used to train on a, a Monday or a Tuesday night or afternoon after school. And there was like probably like 12 goalies and it was taken by the youth team goalie at, at the time. Um, I can't remember who it was, but then Mark Wilson come in a little yeah, bit later. He used to be my guy. He used to live, well, again, he used to live in his, his, his parents used to live right by where my yeah, cousins yeah. live and where Adam live, all in that area. Um, so 
Jerry pulled me in the office one night and he said, like, oh, who scouted you? Who sent you down? Because the, the thing was, you get pulled up on a Sunday and they go, oh, such and such says, go down at this time and train. And so I went, oh, like, Barry Mosley has told me to come down. He went, <laughs> Barry Mosley? Like, I'm like 11, 12. I'm sitting there in front of, like, Jerry Summers, who's been around the game for years. He's the head of the academy, like, head of the, head of the U. And... Um, yeah, Barry Mosley told me to come down. And I'm, I'm wet behind the ears. I ain't got any idea what's going on. I've just, I've just showed up in a derby shirt with a hole on the back or something like that, just diving about, trying to make some save. What do you mean? What do you mean told you to come down? So I said, no, he's just said, like, his lad's obviously here. He said, just come down and train. He's like, well, it don't really work like that. So I went, well, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't know what, what, well, I'm sorry. If you don't want me to come back, I won't come back. But if, but if you don't mind, I'll come back next week and I'll, I'll mm. keep, you know, trying to get better or whatever. He was like, well, I'm not happy about this. And I was like, well, I- I'm sorry. I don't, know what to- I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I'm 11, 12, whatever I am. So he went, ah, come back next week and make up the numbers. They was his words, come down and make up the numbers. I was like, well, that's all I needed. So mm. um, something happened. I didn't go for a couple of weeks. I don't know if I got injured or broke. I did something, but I didn't go for a while. And then I came back. And then it started to get um, a bit more serious because it was time for like selection to, for the under-13s, which then you'd obviously become part of the, the youth setup. And I was the only under-13s, so they was just lumbered with me. So it was like, I wasn't particularly very tall. I carried weight. So I wasn't like, cosmetically, you, you wouldn't think, well, he's going to be 6'4", which was all the things, because my dad's about 6, he was probably about 6'1", his, his biggest, 6'1". Six, six, I'm about the same. So... <clears throat> there was other goalies that they're bigger, so you probably thought, oh, he carries a bit of weight, so I don't look great. And I wasn't overly that good a goalkeeper. That was that was the case, but I'd work hard and throw myself about, and mm. I'd always be on time and do the right things and whatever. And probably just by luck, the fact that there was nobody else there, I ended up staying, and then I just stayed in it. And then we had, uh, you signed two years, so you had 13 and 14, and then I think in, under 14, in the under-14s year, um, I think they did everything they could to get rid of me, but they just couldn't get another goalkeeper. And then Steely come in, and Steely was brilliant. He just took a shine to me immediately, and I was almost like his project. I don't know if he'd say the same, but it was mm. almost like we've never had a local goalkeeper play in the first team, and like, mm. you're local, this is what I want to do. So when you hear that at 14, you're like, this is Eric Steele. He's like the first mm. proper goalie coach. Mm. You've been with, you know what he's like, full of charisma. Again, he's like, yeah, he's just one of them characters. When he yeah. speaks, you listen. And if he tells you something, I still mm. now, if he calls me off, I, say, I take it as gospel. Like, Steele is, like, the guru, as he says. But he's, like, my guy. And um, he was the one that fought my corner because Jerry was desperate to get rid of me. He would have got rid of me at a drop of a hat. He, he didn't – I don't think he liked me from the first day that I showed up because Barry Mosley mm. told me to show up. But Steely really, really um, – took a shine to me and then it started to progress the coaching got better with the greatest respect I mean the level of coaching got better because the club invested yeah. more in the youth system it became I think when I was under 15 so like a year 10 at school it then turned into the academy system mm. so it was a lot more professional that's when you couldn't play for Derby boys and you was only sort of Derby County um, player and, and, and Steely really pushed me to the moon and really challenged me and I look back at the time and I thought you don't appreciate actually what it is because you, again, you're young and you don't, and mm. you're not as educated. But 
Now when I look back to think that Steely went out of his way and what he did for me was incredible. He really fought my corner and kept me, kept me in the system. And he just gave me a fighting chance because I think he always knew that I'd work hard and I'd show up on time and I'd do everything I could to be the best I could be. But I think he just, he probably saw something others didn't and he probably just thought he perhaps just needed a little bit longer or whether it was mm. because I was local or whether he liked my attitude, or whether he just took a shot. I don't know what it was, but he, he fought my corner, and he just kept me there long enough to get up on a, an upward curve. And then from sort of under-15s, they brought in a, another goalkeeper from Birmingham, a lad called Dan Stratton. He was like 6'3", 6'4". And there's me, like 5'9", 5'10". Mm. And he was massive, massive. And he, and he, he, he looked the prototype. He's your prototype. Looks good in the kit. He's big. He's got a presence. But he just no disrespect to him, but he just didn't have it behind between the ears. Like he was mm. just weak mentally. Um, and I I saw weakness, and I just thought, well, this is it now. This is the chance. It's either now or never. He come in. He played a lot more than I played. I'd, I'd be sub, and I'd play a, a few minutes here and there. And I just thought, it's now or never. Like if you want to do it, it's not. This is the chance. You've got to go for it, and you. You've just got to dedicate everything to it. And I did. And I think um, I think when we started in September, he played. And by November, I, he was out of the picture. And um, I think I was captain in the under-15s. And that's when the, like the England trials and all that sort of come around as the mm. schoolboys. And that's where it really, really took off. And I think by Christmas, I was already offered like an apprenticeship when I left school. So that was... That was pretty special, but it's all down to Steely. Steely gave me a fighting chance. That was all he did. He gave me up. He kept me in the system and gave me an opportunity. And then, uh, you know, he backed me to the moon. And I'll I'll be forever grateful because it's everything that I've got and all the values I've got. A lot of it comes from it comes from Steely. Them days down at Repton School on on the mats in the gym, learning your trade. It's that's where it all started. You look at some of the other goalkeepers as well that have credited Steely with saving the careers. Van der Sar, De Gea. Like he, he was like genuinely regarded as one of the, the best goalkeeper coaches in the world at, at one stage when he was United, wasn't he? He's, he's really yeah, one of them. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think well, there's Granty, for example. Yeah, Granty, of course, Grant, yeah. Granty's gone on and he's obviously at Man U now. And, I mean, he, he, he got his opportunity to play in the Premier League, obviously at a later age in his career. Mm-hmm. But he's a, he's a genetic free, unbelievable athlete. And he was given an opportunity and Steely pulled him, I think, I think Granny was he at Watford or Chelsea? I think he might have been training with Chelsea or Watford. I think he's from yeah, Watford. Yeah. I think he was training at Chelsea, and he brought him up as sort of like a first-year apprentice. Um, there's like Ross Atkins, who's a bit younger than me. Um, I think I think I don't know if Steely had loads to do with Ross, but I think um, he certainly has later on in his coaching career and things mm-hmm. like that. And there was other goalkeepers that have. That have gone on and had a bit of a career that that Steele is um, Kingy, Kingy, yeah, Kingy's gone on and, and done all right for himself. James Sevens played. Yeah, Sevens done well. Yeah, got, a lot of these people have got Steely's fingerprints on, and mm. um, if not directly, indirectly, with mm. what Steely's put into place at Derby, and um, especially some of the coaches that he's influenced and things like that, you know. Well, I feel indirect, indirectly affected because I was a goalkeeper and I was coached by Willow. And Willow used right, to have yeah. these things, and you think, well, if Eric Steele's told it him, and he took it as gospel, and like, yeah, and I think, like, I mean, Willow never got to play. At, well, he played decent level, didn't he? But he was always one of them that you think he's got, he's got something. He's he was always like um, when I speak to Eric this morning, he's, he knows your name, 
he'll always remember your name. He'll always remember yeah. he's one of them characters. And, and Willow's the same. I think he's very much in his footprint. So, you, like you say, like Steely's got like, yeah, it's like probably like a family tree of goalkeepers that have come down from from his from his expertise. You mentioned Granty, and it was when I was growing up as a keeper. Um, there was always a bit of a, a, a rivalry, weren't they? You actually similar ages, uh, Derby, Granty, and, and and yourself. Did you see? Did you have a bit of a? Was it like a friendly rivalry? Yeah, there's there's always rivalry. There's always yeah. competitive. I think you know alpha males. Yeah, yeah people yeah. don't want to do it. Alpha males, mate. It's like mm. the, it's the law of the land. You start walking around beating your chest. No one comes into work not to be the best they can be and not to play. And as goalkeepers, there's always that. There's always one can play, so one has to, one has to, you know, sit on the sidelines. But we had a very very similar path. Um, Granny played in was always a year above me, obviously, but he, he played in all the England age groups the same, and then I played the one below him. And his path was very very similar. He then went into the reserves, and I went into the reserves. He went into the first team, and then he was obviously competing with Andy Oakes for a while, and then obviously got the number one shirt. Um, and then I went out and played some football at QPR and came back that summer. And it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say we was on an even keel. I would still say that Granty probably had the edge because he played more games. He was yeah. older. Um, he'd been the number one at the club for a couple of years, 18 months, couple of years, pretty much. So he was the man in possession. Um, but that summer, something, something changed. I don't, know, I don't know what it was, but Malcolm Webster come in with George Burley. And... Um, between them, before the first game away at Leeds, it, you know, we, I got the nod that morning before the game and um, the rest is history, as they say. But mm. there, there was always a rivalry, because there is. I'm mm. sure there's a rivalry yeah. now between b- between Keller and, and Ben Hamer at the club and, and young goalkeepers in the academy. And there's a rivalry mm. at Birmingham between me and Connell Truman who were fighting it out for the, for the number one spot. But there's always a respect. There's always a respect. Mm. And the one thing with Grant is I always, like, we went on holiday together, went to Iron mm-hmm. together, like, back in the day. And um, we was all pretty close. Like, Marcus Tuggain and, and Granty were close. James Turner. Like, we was all, uh, Chrissy mm-hmm. Palmer, was all sort of, like, the same social, like, group of, of lads. Um, but it was always competitive. Always going to be competitive when, it, when it's half mm-hmm. males. But that was all it was. It was just um, friend of rivalry, but... The, the, the utmost respect, yeah. the, the absolute utmost respect. Do you, as a keeper, do you, do you sometimes feel like you can drop off slightly if you've not got a number two that's banging on the door, or if you're the number two that's trying to get in? Do you, or as a professional, you've got to keep them standards up? Because I, I always see it as if, or, like, you, you see like a number <clears> one who's not really got a number two that's challenging, you, you, you can see them slide sometimes. Is that, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think yeah. subcon- I don't. I don't think you want to. No. I don't think. Um, and maybe, like, I've had this through stages in my career because I always feel like I try to be conscientious and do the right things. Um, even to this day, I still, probably even more now with, with the age I am and, and the stage of the career I am. And I think you, you tend to think, oh, no, it doesn't bother me, I'm professional, I can do it. But I think mm-hmm. subconsciously you do because I think if you've not quite got that edge behind you or that somebody chomping at the bit, you don't mean to do it, but you, you mm-hmm. probably do come off it a little bit because you probably think, well, you know, mm. I haven't got to keep looking over my shoulder. Um, but I've always felt that, you know, sort of like when I've had that and I've had somebody chomping at my bit or I've really had somebody bat me, that's the best part. That's when I play at my best. And um, 
maybe maybe subconsciously it does i think that's probably human nature i think it's mm -hmm. it's very you know maybe even the best players in the world players that have had better careers and a lot further up the ladder than i am would probably even say the same because subconsciously you probably do feel it a little bit what was your what's your memories of making it was your full debut at leeds and did you come off the bench and play a game beforehand yeah come on at, um Warsaw. Warsaw. yeah the back end of, uh, oh, I think I think George was the interim manager at the time. Mm. I think, had he come in as interim? Yeah, Granty got injured. And um, I didn't even know he got injured. I don't know what, I can't, to this day, I can't remember what he did. And I can't even think of what, what the injury was. But I remember like a couple of minutes before the team, because we was out on the pitch, just having a kick about or run about, whatever, warming up. And um, somebody went, oh, are you going on? I was like, why? Or oh, Granty's injured. But... Right. Well, you don't have any time to think about it before you know it. You're on, and yeah, that was my that was my first game, and then obviously the not next. I didn't play the next year, and then it was the season after that away at Leeds was the was the first was the first start. So, well, wait, um, what a place to make your debut, Ellen Road. Yeah, Ellen Road, first game. I think it was the first game of the championship as well of, of the season on Saturday dinner. Um, Leeds had just come down as well, so that was. You know, yeah, what a place. I mean, the rivalry between Derby and Leeds is, is there, as we know in recent times, it's it's always been pretty big. And um, yeah, but again, no 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 time to think because we went up the night before and didn't know who was playing. Then would it be an early kick? I think we left the hotel at like 10 o'clock, maybe even earlier. So I think we was up breakfast and then got pulled and told was playing. So no real time to think. You just, you're into the swing of it and sort of gone to autopilot. Mm. What are your, your favourite memories from your, your time at Derby? Um, any stand out? Any, any particular saves or anything? Anything that's kind of, do you know what I mean? Sticks out? I think, I think obviously the obvious stuff is what you do like in the first team because that's obviously yeah, what everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody sees. But I'll always be grateful. I know, look, I know I get stick and I know everything that goes on. But I'll always be grateful for what Derby County has given me and the opportunity it gave me to, do you know what I mean, to start me on the way of fulfilling my dreams. It's as simple as that. It's, um, you know, I spoke about Steely, but there's other people as well within the football club that were brilliant to me and helped me out tremendously. Some of the, some of the best things were being in the youth team. We used to be based at the baseball ground. Some of the, you know, some of the banter and, and stuff that used to fly there was brilliant. And some of the friends you made and the people like the experience you got off people, you know, I was in the same room like Ravinelli, Iranio. Mm. I mean, Iranio, I seen him play head tennis with the sole of his feet. Like, <laughs> how'd you do that? Like, the sole of his feet. <laughs> we played head tennis and we're like, oh, like, you're there, shaking like a shitting dog, thinking, is that Stefan Arano, boys? I used, to sit, I used to sit in the corner up there with, with the nutters. That's Stefan Arano, like, casuing it about with his collar up. And then you've got like Carbonari and like yeah. Pumi. And you're like, you're looking at these people, you're thinking, like, their memories, unbelievable. Yeah, like, the yeah. class, like, they're just lasts a lifetime. Like, the things that you see and you hear and you pick up along the way, like, just amazing. Like, Seth Johnson, and when he had like his little group, like, laugh a minute, honestly, it was, it was crazy. But I think. The penalty save, obviously, the first home game against Leicester, that's always special. I think mm -hmm. save a penalty at any time is special, but Leicester, a little bit of a rivalry with Derby and mm -hmm. um, on your home debut, things like that's nice. And there was a, there was a save against um, 
Wigan in the FA Cup in the last minute, which which was special. But overall, like you know, I touched on. I know, I know what it is. It is what it is. But I'll always be grateful for what Derby County gave me, and um, you know, I had some good times there, like some real, real good times that people ever, you know, will never see, but they'll last forever. Do you a uh, bit of a probably a question I don't particularly ask you, but does the stick bother you? No, 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 no. I think a lot of it now has become a bit pantomimish. If if I'm honest, like, it is. It is a bit. It is a bit actually. It yeah. is. I think it's kind of like the tradition. Like, you know, I'm in town. I get battered. It's like it's part of <laughs> part of the day out. I think. Um, look, when I signed for Forest, I, I fully knew the rivalry and I fully accepted that um, I was going to get stick. I, I accept that. But I'm trying to try and carve out. A, a career for myself mm. and the reality of it is there was one football club that wanted to sign me and that was Nottingham Forest and that was it I was at a mm. football club at QPR where I wasn't wanted so it's well, what, what do you do it's the less with two evils if I stay I had a I signed a, a, a new four and a half year contract like a year before and then mm. Flavio Biratori fell out of love with league camp he just didn't like me it was like give me a new four and a half year contract and it was this that and the other and I, I don't I was only six months into a three year contract as it was and he, ah, oh, you know, all the Italian do like, love you, kiss, kiss, nah, you're great. And then he gave me a contract and it was like, bang. It was like, now I've given him a contract. I don't want him. It was, it was surreal. It was, why did you give me a contract? So I sat on a, on a healthy contract and I could have sat there for three years and done nothing. And my yeah. stock could have gone down. And then at the end of that three years, I'd have probably been scrambling around for a club. I could have lived a nice life living in, in Windsor and mm. West London. You know, not the worst place to live, but I didn't. I didn't want to be somewhere I didn't want it. It didn't sit comfortable with me sitting on a contract and taking money and not earning it. I always think if you, you know, what I mean, if you take a hundred percent salary, you do a hundred percent of the work, and you want to be, you want a jersey, you want to play, you want to be a part of something, and that that didn't sit well with me. And I wanted to get out. And I went on loan to Forest because again, Forest was the only team that I could get out on loan on loan to because they were the only team that were looking for a goalkeeper. So you're limited in the places you can go anyway because not everybody wants a goalkeeper. So I went on loan there and then um, obviously Billy ended up becoming manager and, and people had this idea that me and Billy Davis didn't like each other and we fell out, which was, which was absolutely like not true. It was mm. a very, very direct, clear conversation we had when he came into Derby. And, um, you know, he ended up signing me. But again, he wanted to sign me and the football club wanted but. I had no other options. It was like, mm. I go to Forest and play and try and, at the time, carve out a career and try and keep progressing and, and, and do it or do nothing. So, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So, I knew I was going to, I kind of knew what was going to come with it, but it never really bothered me. I walked into it with my eyes open and, um, you know, I think, I think now it has become a little bit pantomime and everything, which is, which is fine. It's like, mm. the one thing about Derby people and, and probably Derby fans. And I, I could be well off base with this, but I think they have a respect for people that, that, that do stuff. And I think like the longevity and I think every season since I've left, I've been back and played bar one at mm. Pride. I think I've played there 10 or 11 times. So um, I think there comes a point where there's an element of like, they appreciate that you keep coming back for more. <laughs> yeah. You keep taking it and taking it. But again, I have wound a few people up along the way and played my part in the pantomime. You do give it. You do give a little bit. A little. I do. Yeah. I do give a little bit back in that. But again, I think it's just part and parcel of like the pantomime of it. I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
it's a human side of it. Let's just have a laugh. Like, you're there to support your team. You want to win. First and yeah. foremost, it doesn't matter who's in goal. You want the goalie to have a stinker because you want your team to win. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the reality of it. So, you know, it's like a wink, wink, nod, nod in it. Just, yeah. it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother it doesn't bother me personally. I think, like, you know, my cousins, Mark, and they, I think when yeah, they yeah. took a bit of stick, I just think that's a bit off base. They don't, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve, like, some of the stuff people say to them at times and things. Mm. But, again, like, they take it in the right spirit and they're pretty level-headed. Mm. So, um, it is what it is. Well, I know Mark quite well and I've been, I've been all over the place watching Derby County and Mark and his old man and... Um, Dan and that they get they're like the most some of the most loyal Derby fans you ever meet. So that that's all like seasons you got old. Yeah. My whole family's Derby. My whole yeah. my whole family's huge Derby's. Like mm. I'm not a Derby fan as a kid. I was always a Man U fan growing up. My first memories were like the year Leeds won the league, like '92. That was yeah, from yeah, my yeah. time when I was getting to it. So I was always like sort of Man U. My, my old man's like like always followed Man U all his life. So we was always them. But my whole family's Derby. Like the first mm. game. First proper game I went to, I think Derby beat Newcastle at the baseball ground in like '92. Wow. And Kevin Key was like um, my cousin, my cousin Diane. She was Lionel Pickering's PA for years. So um, the the family somewhere along the lines always had a connection with Derby. So as you say, they're they're huge. And they probably they give me more stick than anyone. So if I can take <laughs> it off them, I can take it off anyone. So it's you mentioned about penalty saves being like the greatest moments, and your your family your Derby family when you're saving that last minute penalty from Nassabar is that a a career highlight Um, because I'll be honest I hated you that day (laughs) (laughs) well there was a few people behind that goal at that bottom end that didn't like me either Um, yeah I suppose it is I think any penalty save I think obviously you've played in goal so you appreciate any penalty save special and um, it was weird it was like a beach ball coming at me it was like slow motion um the game was the game was completely like, like lost control. The referee had lost control. Yeah, it's mental. You know, the, the I, don't, I don't know what it was. The um, the disallowed goal that yeah, well, we've, had Miles, we've had Miles on talking about it. It's two disallowed goals. <laughs> it's two, yeah, it's two disallowed goals. And, and and for what? Like, if Lady Luck was ever shining on us that day, it, it, you know, there was, that, knew, it was that day. My Esky nearly well the runner scored. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. Because I threw the ball down and played it out, and then someone passed it, and then we was in, and the referee was blowing it back, but no yeah. one heard. And he, yeah, yeah, well, he lost complete control. Was it Stuart Atwell, the referee? Stuart right? Atwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stuart Atwell. Mate, you Say talk no about more, people. But... You talk about people coming back to Pride Park and getting pelters. I think you're. I think you do well, to be honest. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Stuart Atwell. Yeah, he lost control of it, didn't he? And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose. I suppose it is really. Yeah, I suppose it is. It's. I suppose that sort of because I took a lot of stick going to Forest. Funny enough, like mm. there was a lot of Forest fans weren't happy about signing the next Derby player, you mm. know, born and bred Derby, whatever. And I think that probably sort of nailed the nailed the the coffee <laughs> at one end of the fifty-two, and sort of. I'm, I tell you how crazy it is. I remember I was in Little Over at the time that morning, and uh, I drove over to Nottingham to meet the bus. We went to to the city ground. And uh, got there, there was like four or five Forest fans. And uh, you won't mess with them, put it yeah, this way. Yeah. They, were, they weren't like, you know, suits and ties. They were like, it was almost like a hit job. And then, like, I remember walking out, he's like, 
you remember who you're playing for today, son? Do you remember who you're like, I'm like, all right, okay. I'm thinking, shit. <laughs> Do not drop. I remember walking out because he, he sort of walked out the Robin Hood suite. We'd been pre-match or breakfast or something in there, wherever. And they were stood out on the corner. So they sort of turned, sort of turned right to walk to the bus and they sort of like come out of nowhere. So like, yeah, you remember who you were playing for? You remember what I was like, all right, mate. And there's like four of them. He's thinking, oh, not a day to drop one today. So uh, funny enough, come off the bus to get in the car after the game. They're there. Arms open, jump it like, oh, really? you're one of us now. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> shit, there's like 10,000 in Darwin waiting for me. We know you're ready. No, I'm all right. You four are all right, actually. But it's the other ten, it's other thousands and thousands I've got to deal with when I get back to, uh, to Derby. But, yeah, it's, uh, that was a crazy day, that was. That was a surreal day. But Yeah, it was surreal. It still doesn't seem real now. I say we've had miles on talking about it and... Um, yeah, it still doesn't seem. I watch the highlights now, and it's still like, as, even as a Derby fan, you'd think I'd be like, "Oh, Derby, Derby," but it's just crazy. It's like you still, you still don't. I still don't get what he's what he's doing. No, nah, well, I did something for BBC Nottingham about a year, well, probably about eighteen months ago now, when it was like a ten-year anniversary. Yeah, and um, they played their commentary of it, and then spoke about it, and then did the little interview or whatever we did and then I think it was Robert Chipperfield said afterwards I went yeah. that was one of the hardest interviews I've ever done but why I went because I still don't know how to put into words what happened I like, even listening back to the commentary for two minutes you think, I can still see it clear in my mind yeah. it's crazy it's like because when the penalty was given I'm thinking Chrissy Commons is taking this if there's yeah. ever a story like yeah. it's got to be Chrissy Commons last minute against Forrest come on like and he was nowhere to be seen I'm sure he was still on the pitch. So yeah, like, he was. And then when I seen him taking it, I just thought, well, I know where he's going. This is like 100% I'm going this way. I know exactly where he's going. And then that, it's just all clear in my mind. Miles scoring, clear as, as day with a bullet yeah. header. And then he's given a free kick. I, was, uh, I don't know, he must have found yeah. a blade of grass or something. I don't know. But yeah, so I still can't find the words for it now. <laughs> no, I can't. 11 and a half years on. <laughs> so... How old are you now? If you don't mind me asking, 36? No, I'm 36 in August. Oh, okay. But, mate, it's yeah. still a good age for a goalkeeper and you've, you've, had a, you've had a good career. Yeah, I feel, I mean, a couple of years ago, I had a, like, a nasty knee injury, which I thought, this is going to be tough. And it took me a little bit longer to get back, back to fitness. I mean, I went up to Sunderland and wasn't great. And uh, I was miles off it, really. Like, in terms of physically fit, match mm. fitness and match sharpness, miles off it. Nothing can prepare you for, for that. And I thought, for this is going to be, this is going to be tough, like, at my age. And the, I missed 14 months or whatever. But thankfully, then the Birmingham thing come about and it's given me a new lease of life. Um, I feel fit. As I do, I have no, you know, touch wood. I have, I have no issues with a knee whatsoever. I can train every day. Um, I can run. I can bite. I can do everything I need to do to stay fit. So, as long as, as long as the the body behaves itself and I can keep going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and keep playing because it's you're a long time retired and then you're an even longer time dead, aren't you? So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been incredibly fortunate that along the way, someone's always opened the door for me to carry on carry on playing so there's been a lot of players that I've, I've played with who haven't got to 30 in the game so where mm. I am I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate so um, 
every day's every day's a school day. It's great. I just go in and enjoy myself. And I know full well it's going to come to an end at some point, and the exit is is probably closer now than it's ever been. So I enjoy it, and as long as I can keep playing and, and I can play to a level that keeps me in mm-hmm. a team, then I'll I'll certainly try and keep playing, and then hopefully move into management of some sort when I when I finish playing. So. Um, as long as the body holds up, I'll, I'll probably still, be, hopefully, still be getting abused at Pride Park unless you like, <laughs> go and get yourself promoted at long last and uh, put me out of my misery for a year. Well, <laughs> and then if you come down again, but <laughs> mate, I followed so, your, I followed your career from watching you play for Burton Albion when they lost seven four to Telford. Wow, what a day that was! Mate, oh, that's a classic. That's a classic on the. That's not on the CV, funny enough. <laughs> I did a press conference at Burton because I work at Radio Derby, you know, and uh, I went to see yeah. Cluffy uh, when Cluffy was on his 20 years and I was reading off these games I'd watched Burton 20 years ago. And um, and I went, oh, and there was this, this, and there was a, the 7-4 against Tolford and Clough went, bet you can't name the goalkeeper that day. I went, Lee Camp. He went, oh, fair play. Like, he was trying to test my, because he was only on loan, wasn't you? So it was like yeah, a question yeah, about yeah. your memory who the goalkeeper was. But I, can, I can vaguely remember it. Wow. I can't. <laughs> I bet that well out of my mind. <laughs> I bet he was dizzy, no, wasn't you? No. Oh, mate, it, it was crazy. It was one of them days. I don't, I can't remember a lot from when Chrissy Moore played. This is when Chrissy Moore was playing. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think Andy Sinton was playing for Burton as well at the time. Mm. And the daft thing was, it was seven four. It could have been, it could have been eighteen nineteen. It could have been <laughs> seven four the way. It was like a basketball match. It was as if it was like. 20 strikers on the pitch and two goalkeepers it was madness it was it was classic conference football at the time yeah it was if you had been a neutral you got your money's worth it yeah. was wild we could have like I say we could have lost 15-4 or we could have won 15-7 yeah. it was mad it was just one of them days kick and rush football wasn't it <laughs> oh on that pitch down at Eaton was it Eaton Park Eaton, Eaton Park. Park yeah it was Eaton, Eaton Park, Park. Yeah. yeah I played a lot of the reserve games there for Oh mate, That's incredible! Fun, yeah. I had to drop wow, that one in, mate. <laughs> I had to drop that one in, mate. There's been many a boo boo. Don't worry about it. Mate. It's just added to the. <laughs> oh mate, well mate, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Like it's been brilliant. Anytime, mate. Anytime, I'm I'm glad to do it, and um, I've enjoyed myself going down memory lane. Oh mate, it's been brilliant. And uh, once you've like, I know you you're doing your badges or going to do your badges. Once you've done them, and you're back as Derby manager, we'll get you back on. Well. Let's not push it. <laughs> I can't get back as a player. I can't. I'll be, come on, Mel. Give me a swung song, Mel. Come on. Come on give, me some of that ca- give me some of that candy crush. <laughs> None of it. None of it. I can't get anywhere near the place. So I, I, can't, I can't see my point of view as a manager. And if there's, any, if there's ever a time you're going to get in as a keeper, it might be, uh, it might be next season. But anyway, now it's on for... <laughs> Cut. Yeah. No nice. comment. Cut. I'm not being dragged down that line. Whoa. We're out. We're out. <laughs> nice one, Campy. Blake, no worries, mate. Take care, bud. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it, man. Cheers. No worries.